are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I do at Insignium, a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a second, but a big shout out to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation and are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thanks, Jobbing.com. Great partnership. Last week, we were on the air with Bob Binkowski, who is the co-founder and managing director of DesignPlex Biomedical, which designs and manufactures medical devices, medical-grade instruments, software, and network interfaces to remotely visualize information in real time. He gave a crisp interview about his early career in aerospace and how he found his way into the biomedical field, helped us understand how the overlaps in science and medicine create opportunities for innovation, and he told us about told us about the work that he's doing to develop implantable blood pumps and artificial hearts. It was really fascinating. Great to talk with him. For this week's conversation, with me is Todd Lemens, who is the author of the best-selling book called Lose Your Ego, Gain the World. He is a corporate trainer and motivational speaker and makes over 60 training appearances a year. His corporate training seminars are called Eliminating Negativity from the Workplace. He joins us today from Portland, Oregon, an old hometown for me. Todd, great to have you with us. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Hi, Elise. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, you're making me remember fondly my time in Portland, so I'll try not to bring up too many references (laughs) to the whole... Right, the, the old school days. That's right. So, big smile. Um, gosh, there's so much I want to get out of you in the short time we have together, Todd. And I am just looking forward to hearing your story and sharing with our with our listeners. I know you have a lot to share, but to get us started, um, I'd love to hear a bit just about your background and kind of help us understand where how it was that you got to where you are today. I think that just your journey alone is pretty fascinating. I appreciate that. Well, my story is, is um, it goes like this. I, you know, I barely graduated from high school. I was a, I had to study to get D's to graduate, so I, I didn't go to college, and I started several small businesses in my early 20s, and then by my late 20s, I had a lot of success. My ex-wife and I started the business with just the two of us, and then in about two years, we had about 80 employees, so we grew fast and, and furious. And what was the business, Todd? It was a construction company in the in the Northwest, and I had no background in construction. I I traded. I'm a salesperson, so I went into a business that I knew nothing about, which I wouldn't advise. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say why? Why did you go to why? Why construction? Why not you know an architect? Why not why? You could have done a million things. Why construction? Well, for your, for your listeners, I think it is better to go to something at least you have some experience in that. You at least you know you enjoy. But how the, how the company was set up was I was still doing what I was good at, which was the sales and presenting and, and bidding and getting new business. Okay, so here's what I'm getting from that, Todd. So it sounds to me like you're one of those kind of people that have the real gift of talent to be able to literally sell anything, including something you don't really know much about. <laughs> 
I can was, I have I some of that? Young and, and I, I used to think that of myself. Yes, I used to think I could sell anything to anybody, but uh, I've become a little wiser now from, from life's <laughs> hard lessons. <laughs> and I, I definitely want to hear about some of those as we talk, because I well, I think that what we're going to find in some of those lessons taught is stuff that a lot of us can relate to, but maybe some of us didn't navigate them as well as you did. And even just the fact that, um, you, did, you, did you say you finished high school? I did. I graduated okay, so you high finished school. high school. I had a real severe ADD, and, and okay. I'm old enough now where it was kind of untreated back in those days. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of channeled that in my professional career as a, I call it a healthy obsession. So I would, I would put all my, I, I'm able to put all my focus in certain things. And, and when you take a lot of action in anything, you get a lot of results. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to delve into that, Todd. I think that's really fascinating because over the years, as I've done my research around meaning and work, I've encountered people who tell me that as a child or as a kid growing up, they had ADHD or ADD. And some people went the medication route. Some people didn't. And I really find that, you know, if you can find a way to focus that ability, that you really can be extremely successful. So I'd like to hear more about when did you discover that you had this and how did you, what did you do about it? You know, my mom, is, she's been a, an educator for years, and, and she's kind of a pill person, so she thinks always there's a pill for everything. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so part of it is probably true, and part of it you get brainwashed from hearing that. But um, I noticed, in, you know, and I, and I got some therapy later, and then they said that that was one of the problems that I had. And you could just tell. You know, I was all over the place, and I had a hard time focusing. and I just had all the, 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 the symptoms of it. Mm. Okay, so you make it just sound so, you know, pretty easy, like, yeah, I figured that out, and I moved on, and it's all good, but I just, I'm going to guess there was a fair amount of heartache that went along with that along the way. Yes? It was, and and it was hard, you know, I I wrote a book, and again, not having the the work skills or the school skills that you take for granted, you know, one thing I I used to always say in my younger life, I'd say, who's more annoying, the people who have worked all their lives and say, I don't need an education or the people who are overeducated and never worked a day in their lives. I think they're equally annoying, you know, but oh. I think in my own life, you need a little bit of both, you know, whether you're mm-hmm. self-taught, you know, there's some, there's some things you can learn from, from classes and, and improving. Yeah, I really get that, Todd. I mean, I grew up, I, I'm, I'm from a family of entrepreneurs who worked really hard in their lives and really have a lot to show for that. And, um, high school educated and good to go. And, and I really appreciate what you're saying. So, and find myself in that too. Even though I did find a way somehow to spend a lot of years going to school, I still feel I, that I identify with, you know, the hard working, roll up your sleeve kind of crowd. Um, which Absolutely. gets me to, yeah, I, I, want to, I want you to tell us about this, Todd, because there, one of the things that we do within Insignium is, of course, we help organizations achieve breakthrough performance. And, and you've done something that a lot of organizations would ache to do, and that is you created a business at, at a very young age with very little expertise. You grew it to, I think you said, 80 employees. Um, first, was it residential or commercial construction? What kind of construction are we talking about? It was uh, remodeling, and it was residential mostly. Okay. Um, one thing I, I like to share with people is when you're starting a small business, um, one, one pitfall that a lot of companies fall into is having too much resources. And most people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. But what happens when you have too much resources is you tend to be a lot more wasteful. And you look to write checks as opposed to do work. And that can be something that, you know, you, you can just piss money away so quickly. And, and, and there's nothing that blows money faster than a, a failed business. I mean, if money goes faster than... Than anything, and you just burn it away. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so that's got to be one of the things that you attribute your success. I did want you to share with us what, I mean, and maybe it's hard to, to say from your own vantage point. Maybe it's easier for somebody else to look at you and, and say this, but to what do you attribute the success you had? I'm taking massive action, um, keeping in front of people, you know, keeping, um, you know, advertising yourself over and over. Um, a lot of mistakes that I see, some of the competitors I've made, uh, made work. I'm thinking that all of, all of a sudden everybody knows about them, and really people are very forgetful. There's a reason that Coke and Pepsi still put advertisements on for the Super Bowl, is because they just still need to stay relevant. They still need that forward momentum, and when you're doing your small business, that was something I was very good at, was was following up and being very persistent and, and, and getting in front of people and still calling, doing the cold calls every day, even though they were uncomfortable for me even after years of doing them. Mm-hmm. You know, I know very few people who tell me that they like to do cold calls. Some people do because they find that, right, they, they, they feel like there's an adventure and who knows who's on the other end of the phone line that you might actually get get live. But I really know few of us who really like that. But yet it's such an important part of, of staying out there and relevant and filling our pipeline. Um, and, you know, it works. You think it works. I, and it does. Yeah, it does. So yeah. that's the thing. I think the, 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 the difference that I know that people that are successful at is is they call with a purpose to get business. They don't just do it because it's something they have to do. And just mm-hmm. having that attitude and having that energy, it works. Okay, so we got to say more about that, Todd. That's fantastic. That could be really useful to a lot of people out here. I bet there's at least a third of the people listening who, in some capacity, have to do some kind of a an outreach or a sales call. So say more about what you just said there. Well, nowadays, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that kind of seem like work, and I call it play work. And, and what that is, it's doing posts on Facebook and doing posts on Twitter and getting a few likes. And it makes us feel like, and we can sell to ourselves that that's really selling and advertising our business, but it really isn't. It's just friends politely, politely um, being agreeable with us. And so what you really have to do is the things that make you most un- uncomfortable on the marketing side are the things you probably should be doing. And that's the, you know, cold calling, which is going into business or calling over the phone, cold calling and, and drumming up new business. And email marketing is another good one, which kind of requires the way I do it is I call up businesses and I find out who the decision maker is. If I can't get them on the phone, I say, well, give, give me uh, Lisa's email. And then I send an email out. And it's very effective and it costs practically nothing. Mm-hmm. It, yes, I, and I, and it, right. And there's that small little thing. To do it. <laughs> I'm not right. saying it's easy, but it, it works. It does, and you know, one thing I want to acknowledge what you just said there a little bit earlier about about how people, including both of us, spend time on social media. And I do want our listeners to know that that is how we found each other. I don't remember which one of us began following the other, but whenever somebody follows me, I go and look at their site and. Um, think, well, this is somebody I want to know what their business is. Maybe it's something I want to reach out to and inquire more about. Maybe it's a service I can use. Um, And oftentimes I'm looking to see, could they be somebody who I want to bring on the show, which was, of course, what happened when I went to your side. I went, this could be really interesting. So um, I do like to be able to tell my listeners where I find my guests. So um, I found you on Twitter. (laughs) And I've spent a lot of time on Twitter. Um, I I have over 200,000 followers on there because I work it every day. And I, and I look for people like yourself who are, are doing things that I, that I appreciate and that I can bring content to, to, to the people that follow me. Mm-hmm. So it's a great win-win. So I wasn't trying to say that it doesn't work and you just kind of have to do everything. A lot of times people who are successful in something, 
are very um, poor self-evaluators. And the reason is they take so much action that they're not usually, they're not usually accurate at what they did best. You know, they, mm-hmm. they did so much, they don't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think your point is still very well taken, Todd. I don't know that activities per se on social media yield a lot of business. It really has to do with more with what, what do you do with those connections. And so, right, so for me, um, some of those have become real relationships that for us, you know, in the world of Insignium where I work, we think about cultivating relationships long term. So for me, I've, I've met some really amazing, interesting people who have become um, fantastic referral mates for, for us and also likewise for them. So, you know, even though we didn't monetize directly a relationship with each other, we were able to help each other in the marketplace in other ways. A true win-win. And that's what I go for every time. Right. You know, and we, then we find somebody. Sell people stuff. People, you know, sincerity shows right away. So yeah. Oh, no doubt. Win-win, like you just explained, that's a, you know, a perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of relationships, one one of the things that I really wanted you to talk about, which I I don't know to what extent all that you want to share about it, but to, to whatever extent you are willing to share, Todd, I, I think you've got quite a, a fantastic story in the sense that this business that you created, you I think you co-founded it, um, or maybe you were the only founder, but you were ultimately asked to leave the company. <laughs> what happened? Yes, thanks, thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> We're it's just on air, don't worry. For the company that you're, that's named after you. If you if you <laughs> act enough like a jerk. And, and what happened was, um, it's funny because I, I have a friend, he's a, he's a lion tame. He, he trains lions he's in the Arizona area. Wow. And uh, Yeah, and that's what he does. And, and the point of the story is, you know, you'd say, okay, you're going to work with lions. We'll make sure they're well fed. And he and he says that's the dumbest thing you'd want to do. You want lions to be hungry because they will listen to you when you're hungry. And starting small businesses is a lot like that. Um, and what happened in my business was, you know, I grew up in a very, you know, lower middle class family. I never really had any money. And once I started to make good money, I started to eat more and drink more and party more. And I really got full of myself and I got to be so no one could handle me anymore. And, and the people who really who I insulated myself with, who got me successful, um, I started to, to not treat them very well. And eventually I was fired from my own company, which was a very humbling experience. And, you know, I'm kind of reminded, and I don't know if you'll take kindly to this or not, but I'm reminded of Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh, what's that again? I'm reminded of Steve Jobs, who was ceremoniously asked to leave Apple. <laughs> Well, I'm not on his level on a lot of things, but yes, yeah, so the same thing happened to him at Apple, and it was a. It's funny because you just don't believe it could happen to you, and it happened even to even to a billionaire. Um. So, and I don't know the mechanics of it, but you're asked to leave your own company. Uh, how? What does that mean? I mean, does that mean we'll run it for you, just go away, or what does it mean? Well, I had run it into a state of where I wasn't making any money. So it, it was, um, and I'd exhausted all my resources to get back in it. But I, it became that for day to day that I was more of a distraction than, than I was helping out. And I was just getting more in the way. So I, what happened was it humbled me. Um, I, I got my, my life back together and, and came back and, and helped. But it took that. It took that much of a, we got to get rid of this guy. He's not, he's not a benefit to have around anymore. So was this like a situation where several of your employees just got together and said, hey, you know, or, or was there like one ringleader? I mean, it's it's hard for me to just imagine, 
you being, you know, fired. <laughs> it took a, it took the whole team. It took everybody. Everybody was on the same page except me. <laughs> it was a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Well, I I definitely want to hear specifically about some of the things you learned, but we've got just about maybe a minute before we go on break. Can you start by just giving us like maybe, you know, one big, I got this out of it, this lesson I got out of it. Um, Don't take people for granted. Um, As an an employer, make sure that you you see value in everybody. a, A true sign that you're slipping is when you when you just kind of discount somebody um, and say discredit someone and say oh they're, they're it's kind of the old they're good for nothing. The second you start to, you can't see good in somebody no matter what problems they have that that's back on you because everyone has their strong suits and if all you can do is identify weaknesses, you really need to relook at yourself and and, and what you what you are as a manager. Mm. Okay, that's a great way to take us into our first break. The idea of really focusing on people's strengths versus their their weakness. So perfect, perfect for us, Todd. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Todd Laments, who is the author of the best-selling book, Lose Your Ego, Gain the World. He is a corporate trainer and motivational speaker who makes over 60 training appearances a year, and his corporate training seminars are called Eliminating Negativity from the Workplace. He joins us today from Portland, Oregon. We've been talking a bit about his early start and his early um, entree into entrepreneurship and getting fired from that place. After the break, we'll talk more about some of the lessons that he's learned and how we might actually underestimate our own capabilities while at work. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's time to access your magic. 
Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenise Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenise and her expert guests who have turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Todd Laments, who is the author of the best-selling book, Lose Your Ego, Gain the World. He joins us today from Portland, Oregon. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Just before the break, Todd, we were talking about a few of the lessons that you learned from that wonderful experience of being, um, shall we say, fired from your own company. Um, I just I can't imagine what all you did in your life to reorganize yourself, retrain yourself, and I guess use that wonderful gift that you have to refocus. But can you share a few more lessons that you got out of that? Um, there's one thing I've, I've worked on, Elise, is... Um well, you know, a lot of times we, we look at our evaluate our lives and, you know, it's, it's the New Year's time. We do the New Year's resolutions. And I, what I try to do is I think that I'm in different subjects in business. Um, maybe on the tech side, I, I look like a grade school education. I might be in the third grade on one thing and I might be a senior in high school on something else. And what I try to do is I try to insulate myself, uh, you know, surround myself uh, company-wise, business-wise with people who are not just like me. You know, there's already one Todd in the, in the world. Thank God there's only just, just one of us. And so I try to get people who, because we're attracted to people who are agreeable with us. And so what we end up with is a team of people just like us, but that's not what we need. We need people who are in different grades and different subjects. You know, we need people who will compliment us and will be honest with us and give us good feedback. We don't need people just to agree with everything we do, even though that's more comfortable. We need to kind of make ourselves uncomfortable in business and continue to be uncomfortable. Okay, so I'm completely there. I just had an interesting conversation with a company here in, in Dallas about how what they're doing, they're a publishing business, and what their their model really in many ways is disruptive to the marketplace. And, you know, think about that's the world of publishing. It probably needs to be, right? Um, and I appreciate so much what you're saying, Todd, of being a, surrounding yourself with people who won't just say, yes, you're great, you're fantastic, you look marvelous, but have you thought about this? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Absolutely. Okay. Um, You know, years ago when I was in Seattle, after I had moved from Portland to Seattle in the late 1990s, I uh, was an account manager for an information technology staffing firm. And I kid you not, Todd, um, I would go out to mostly telecom companies to gather um, contractor hiring requirements. And they would, I'd sit down with them and they'd say, yeah, I want to hire these six contractors. I want to hire for this or whatever. And I am not kidding that about 98.5% of the time, I would sit down with them to take their job requisition and they would be describing who, 
themselves. They, what they really wanted me to hire was an identical clone of them. <laughs> well, I have a great story about that. I, there, there's a insurance company that I've done work for. It's called AUL, and they're out of the Napa Valley. Um, beautiful facility. And they bring in sale, They bring in their clients to pitch them their insurance products, and they bring them in from all over the country and, and parts of Canada. And they have a different philosophy, and, and I hope you appreciate this. Anytime someone comes and visits the office, and this is going to sound really corny and tech, everybody in every department will stand up and give them like a standing ovation. Mm. And you would think that everyone said, this is just way too salesy, right? It works. And people can't help but smile and be happy. But another part of their sales process is why I brought it up was if they had engineer types came in, what they used to do is they would have them meet with other salespeople and then salespeople would take them on tours. And, but what they realized was salespeople and engineers don't really get along that well. They're just they're two different kinds of people. So yeah. now when they come in, they'll have the engineers meet with other engineers at the company. And when salespeople come in, they'll meet with the salespeople. And their sales have gone to the roof because of this, because they're, they're pairing people up and making them feel comfortable on the sales side. And I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I do too, and I know exactly what you mean by that, but that because I've spent much of my life also as a salesperson, but strangely have found not a niche per se, but a lot of my professional life has been spent serving technical audiences, engineers, scientists, information technology teams. Um, so I know what you mean by they, those two groups don't usually get along, but strangely, weirdly, I, I found a way to make it almost a niche for myself. So I guess that makes me weird, right? <laughs> that means you're really good. <laughs> okay, let's go with that, with that version of the truth. <laughs> um, hey, I want to ask you, I mean, I know that you also work as a motivational speaker. So what, what, do, you, what do you talk about when you're, when you're speaking to groups? Taught, what are you talking about? Uh, I talk about controlling your ego, uh, keeping things in proper perspective. Um, a lot of things I talk about is developing your work relationships. You know, okay. we spend more time at work than we do at home. I came from a family, a very hardworking a mother and stepfather who would go to work for 10 to 12 hours a day, come home and complain about work for another six hours and then sleep mm. and then worry mm. about work while they slept. And so when I got working, and I thought that showed that you were a hard worker, that you, you go to work and you identify the 5,000 things that's wrong and why your manager's you know, no good and, and why the prices are too high and, and then I realized that that just has no value. And so I, I go talk to corporations about just keep the negativity out of the workplace. You spend so much time at work, you might as well, you might as well be mindful and enjoy it. Oh, and I want to really delve into that topic here after the next break so we have lots of time to treat it. But how do you recommend? I mean, when you talk about losing your ego, what do you do? How do we pull that off? Well, your ego is a lot like sunglasses. You know, it, it kind of shields you. You know, when I used to do my sales calls, I used to carry this binder, and I realized I had to get rid of that because it was, I was using it as a shield to, you know, it's kind of like if you talk to somebody and they start bragging right away. Well, what is that? what's a sign of? A sign of insecurity, you know? People who mm-hmm. are smart are, are the ones that ask questions and listen. They're not the ones that brag about, you know, one of the big things I find myself doing um, sometimes too much, and, and, and I've almost eliminated it, but I'm still working on it. And sometimes I'm, I read my resume too much, and anytime I'm starting to do that, I, I realize that I'm not living in the, in the now. You know, I'm not what I used to do. I'm what I'm doing right now, and so I, I have to be mindful. That's something I have a problem with, is bragging about past accomplishments that really just don't have any value today. Mm. 
I just don't get that from you at all. I didn't get that from you from our first conversation. I'm, I don't get it from you here, but I trust you. I understand. I, I appreciate that clearly you're, you know, you're drinking your own Kool-Aid and you're working at this stuff. <laughs> I appreciate that. Again, you're a great salesperson, so. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that, shall we? Um, well, speak, speaking of that, one of the other things that I know we wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about, because I think it's really, really interesting, and I guess it does relate to the whole ego thing, and, and that was that you had mentioned that um, people oftentimes underestimate their own capabilities. Um, and how can you, t- I want to know, how, how can we tell when we are? Is it, is it a matter of somebody else pointing it out? Is it a matter of us being truthful to ourselves or just being more self-aware? But how do we know when we're underestimating ourselves? Well, what's the, what's the thing that everybody says? Oh, this person has tons of potential. Well, we know that's valueless because when someone says you have tons of potential, it means you haven't done anything right, right? Yes. Oh, you're right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it always frustrates me because I, and I hear people, people with children will always see all this potential and, and, they, and they think of their kids as being so, you know, going to have this great life if they would just do this and that. And I always wonder, what about them? Why have they given up on themselves so much? You know, they're living through their children in athletics or academics or whatever, their kid going to school, and they're still healthy and young people, and they should still be working on their own goals, and their life isn't over yet. And I think just don't underestimate yourself. And a lot of times, I kind of just chalk it up to being lazy. I think it's easier mm-hmm. to, to live through someone else or, or to be distracted by, you know, the four hours of television that the, that the average American watches or, or, or buying into the... You know, I'm tired after work. I don't want to work on it. You only get successful for the things you do after work, the extras you do, the taking the extra classes. Um, you, you get you get more out of the things you don't get paid for to get ahead. Um, work just pays the bills. And anyone who has any kind of income will say, it doesn't matter how much I make, it seems to all, all be gone. What a refreshing perspective, Todd. Can I tell you that? How refreshing is this? I completely agree with you. Um, and what, uh, what I wonder about, because one of the things I was going through my mind as you were talking is I think about, of course, ambition. I think about motivation. Uh, and I wonder to what extent, you said lazy, of course, that gets to motivation. Um, do you think that people are just afraid of their own dreams or that they really aren't really, they just really don't want to push themselves? Do they think that you think that they're afraid of failure or just afraid of what they could do? What, what do you think is going on for a lot of people? Well, for starters, we can always lie to ourselves and say it's going to, you know, well, this isn't the right time. I'm going to wait till, you know, my kids are out of school. Or my favorite one is I'm going to have more money. I'm going to have more resources then. I'm going to do it. I'm going to save up some more money. People who haven't saved any money in 22 years are talking about saving up more money. And, it, and what I always try to tell everybody, and this is just from my own experience, it doesn't get any easier as you get older. You have less energy. It seems like time flies even faster. So... If you really believe in what you want to do, it's time to get started on it right now. And, and to answer your question, it, I think it's fear-based. I think we really believe that we're not good enough or that we're going to give up. And, and sometimes we've failed in other things. You know, we've all had our failures in life. And so we think, oh, this, I don't, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and we don't want to have anything to do with failing anymore. 
I tend to think that you're right. I do think that it's mostly fear-based. You know, afraid of what if you know, afraid to dream, afraid to go after our goals. And I know for me, I, I really, I, I, I purposely don't subscribe to a television channel. Um, I do have Netflix for for movies and things, but part of that is because I don't want to be lulled into TV when I could be reading a book or working on another you know, finding another great radio show guest or working on my, my own book that I'm working on around my research. Um, so I, I certainly get that. And then I, I do try to surround myself with people who I who are up to something, right? They're doing something because that really motivates me and makes me feel like, I don't know, it goes back to that grading system you were talking about. I guess I want to be around people that have or earning higher grades in parts of life that I'm not and I want to learn from them. That's great because that's something I changed in my program. Um, I used to always talk about, and I still do, eliminating certain toxic people, uh, your work relationships and your home relationships. There's certain people you should just talk to on holidays. You know, their family and you do, and, and the work relationships. But then I said, well, that's okay to eliminate people, but what's even more important than that is to replace them. If you, if you eliminate five toxic people, replace them with five people that are going somewhere. And... Um, as a kid, I you know I moved around a lot. I went to different lots of different schools. And when I was high school, I was I was very unpopular when I started out moving to school. And then by the time I graduated, I was very popular. I was prom king. And what I realized through that transition was when you go with the popular kids, their entry rate is a lot higher. You have to be very good at something to get into their group. You know, you have to be good at academics, good at sports, or funny, or you have to go. And I think that's the way it is with, with life, too. And it, as adults, I mean, who hasn't told a kid you, you are who you surround yourself with? But we seem to forget that when we're adults. When we say, oh, we're forgiving, or I've known this person forever. That's the one that usually gets you. I've known this person forever. But if it's not a good person for your life, you need to replace that with somebody. And people who are making things happen, who, who are doing things after work, are harder to get a hold of. Their schedule is more full. So it's more of a challenge. Mm. I was just thinking when you were talking, before you actually said it, Todd, I was about to bring it up, so I'm glad you already said it, but uh, somewhere along the line I heard the phrase, you know, uh, show me your friends and I'll tell you where you're going to be in five years or something like that. Have you heard that phrase before? I've heard that before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, well, on the other side of this whole thing, I, you know, you've been, t- we've been talking about, you know, underestimating our capabilities. Um, what about, you mentioned something to me on the phone that I thought was interesting. What about this tendency to underestimate our competitors? I got the distinct idea that maybe you had some experience with that, or you've got some kind of unique purview into that. I do. You know, and a lot of it started my, my the business I'm in now, which is the training and speaking business. You know, I really believe that if I just put a website up, that's a 24-hour store open, you know, for six bucks a month and all over the world, and I would get flooded with, with people buying my book and people booking me for speaking, it turns out that you got to market that thing. You know, <laughs> and what you're competing with people who have been um, in business for years and are, are polished professionals, and and they've had a healthy obsession about this business too, and they've already made the mistakes. You, I, when you get started in business, what I always like to tell people: look, let me get started so I can get my mistakes out of the way, because mm. you're going to have them and. and you can read all the books on it, but there's going to be certain things you're just going to learn on the learn on the job, and they're going to be expensive and they're going to hurt. But you got to get get over those. So you're competing with people who already have the momentum of um, of doing this business for some time, and you're competing with them. So keep in mind to get caught up, you're going to have to outwork them, especially in the beginning. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, what's the remedy for that? And I think the, I just, I just have never seen a shortcut, Todd. I mean, I just, I don't know any differently than you just got to go bust your tail. Yeah, and they call them mentoring programs. But again, people who are successful, they're not good evaluators. And a lot of times when I, when I talk to successful people, I do all the time, ask them their story. You'll notice that they're going to tell you all the bad things that happen. And I always stop them and interrupt them and, and say, what about some of the, um, the, the, the luck you've had, the people who helped you? And because the blessings are just as much of the story. You know, it's not just all bad stuff. They've had breaks and blessings also. Yeah, for sure. And what I think is really curious about doing that kind of inquiry is I'm, what I'm listening for is their frame. In other words, how, how, how the world occurs for them. What's their lens, right? That's what I'm listening for. Right, or if they say, you know, this horrible thing happened, and this is what I learned from it, or, gosh, if that uh, didn't happen, then, you know, I wouldn't have figured out how to do this. So I'm, you know, and, and vice versa, right? There's the other side of it where, you know, they, they weren't able to see those things uh, as positives. But um, I'm listening for, you know, what's their underlying operating status or principle? That's what I'm, I'm listening for. That's a psychologist in you. You're a little deeper than me, though. I'm I'm sorry. It's the geek in me, Todd. Just try to overlook it. All right. So I oftentimes when I'm when I'm talking to people, they'll say suddenly they'll look at me after they've realized they've been, they've answered like 14 questions in a row, and they're like, "Oh my God, I feel like I've been sitting on the sofa the whole time or the couch this whole time." It's probably I'm, hard being smarter than everybody else. You have to come <laughs> down you, to the rest of us in the world. <laughs> well. I don't know that I'm, I've never thought the smarter thing, but the curiosity thing for sure, right? No doubt about that. Curiosity has taken me a long way. <laughs> I think you have that too. And I feel that way. I wonder why, you know, when I meet people, why they do, why they think the way they are, they do. And, and I, when I ask, when I meet someone, I ask them probably a million questions. It's intrusive, but I need to know. Yeah. Well, I, I never tire of it. And most of the time I find people are more than happy to talk. And, you know, for the most part, they're talking about a, a concept that's near and dear to their heart themselves. And, and I'm totally cool with that. So I think everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who she's a book publisher. And she told me that every single person on this planet has a book inside them, their story, whether it's something they've achieved or something that survived. And I've, every person I've talked to, you know, uh, you and I are open and, and we're extroverted and we, we just, we share. A lot of people, you have to dig it out of them. But sometimes it's amazing what some people have, have either, you know, lived through or, or accomplished. Really oh, I, I couldn't agree more, Todd. And that's the kind of stuff when I've done my research, I, I, I'm amazed what people tell me. And, that, well, and the work that we do is, 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 you know, at Insignium, we really get to have very, very personal conversations with people about their lives and their work and, it's very intimate, and in order for them to be able to achieve a breakthrough result, we have to really understand, you know, really the nuts and bolts of what's going on inside of their heads and their hearts and their minds, and and that's usually a pretty heavy-duty conversation to, to get there. So, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, believe it or not, it's time for a quick break already, Todd. Where the time went, I don't know, but... I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Todd Laments, who is the author of the best-selling book called Lose Your Ego, Gain the World. He is a corporate trainer and motivational speaker who makes over 60 training appearances a year, and his corporate training seminars are called Eliminating Negativity from the Workplace. He joins us today from Portland, Oregon. Stay with us, and we'll talk more about those seminars after the break.
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Todd Laments, who is a corporate trainer and motivational speaker and the author of the best-selling book, Lose Your Ego, Gain the World. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment, Todd, I really wanted to focus on the work that you do to with organizations to help eliminate negativity in the workplace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate and resonate with that topic. It's amazing to me how negativity can just suck the the power and the juice from us. And I would love to hear some of the things that you've got to say about that. So to kind of get us started, if you will, um, can you talk with us about what are you seeing as big challenges companies face in the way of human capital or managing their workforce? Before we actually get to the negativity piece, you're, you have purview into a lot of organizations. So what do you see for challenges for them? First and foremost, at least what I see is, um, well, what's the best thing about being a manager and owner of a company? You don't work, you work for yourself. You know, you're, you're pretty much self-employed. And what I see a lot of owners and managers don't really, they don't grasp the concept that is you need to constantly be recruiting good people. You know, if you don't like who your team is, the, the one thing that makes me literally, my hair turn gray, I mean, pull my hair out is when I hear a, a manager say, I don't like babysitting or if people mm. just do their job. Well, it's like, well, you got promoted because you were a hard worker so that you need to train your people to be like you. And if, if, if they're not up to that speed, you need to replace them. That's your responsibility. Um, a lot of, and, and again, if you started a, a sports franchise and you had a certain amount of players, you have to go and recruit new ones because to get, you know, because you're going to grow, you're going to sell more, you're going to need more people. So you want to go get better people. Hmm. Well, I completely uh, I get that. In fact, one of the things we're having a conversation with an insignium on Monday about what what people oftentimes think about when they hear the word man, you know, being managed or having a manager. And when I thought about that, Todd, I guess I've been drinking my own Kool-Aid, maybe too much, but it's kind of along the lines of what you said is 
I mean, to me, managing and leading is all about activating people so that you are engaging their best talents, their hearts, for them to persevere and contribute so that they want to they want to stay with the organization and, and really make a difference. To me, that's what management and leadership is. So I completely got what you said about if I just didn't have to babysit these people, then I would my life would be better. Uh, but again, maybe that's because I've been doing this kind of I've been on the other side of trying to cause that kind of mentality in leaders for about the last decade. Am I am I poisoned, Todd? Should I just you are, give it up? You are so right. You're you're preaching the choir on this one. And the thing too is, is if someone doesn't believe in you, you're not going to do a good job for them anymore. So you have to be almost parent, you know, like a patient as a parent with some people, and you have to find them, put them in the right positions. I look at like a football team. You know, you have people at different positions with different body types. But if you were to mix them up and put the quarterback on the offensive line and a wide receiver you know, kicking, you would never win a game. And the company's like that, too. But it, you really have to believe in those people and you have to be patient. And as far as hiring other people, you know, the thing, the other thing that makes me scream is, is people's idea is calling HR and telling them to put a, an ad on Craigslist or on Indeed for people. Your best people aren't going to be on job boards. They're, they're going to be people that you've worked for. And anytime I'm talking to a manager and, and he pounds on his chest and says, I've been here 20 years, and I'm saying, if you've been in this business 20 years, you better know 20 people in this industry that you should call right now or your Facebook friends, and you need to recruit them over to be on your team if you need good people. And if they don't know any, then we have a problem with the manager. Mm. Mm. You know, you, you that comment and the one you just made earlier reminded me, Todd, of a, a fantastic guest I had on the radio show on December 7th. Um, her name is Paola Savini, and she told the story of how as her, she was, she's a high-level, like, information technology, C-level executive, and over her years, she said, I frequently found myself, and especially in the last post, I got the people assigned to my team that nobody else wanted. They were the, the misfits and leftovers that nobody else wanted. And she said, for me, I just looked at how could I find their pearls? And she said, in in each case, we just, we built a fantastic dynamic team. And I think about how a, a leader can really activate by looking individually into what is a person, who is she, and, and who could she become? I just, so to me, when you were, you were, you were saying what you said, I was just hearkening back to her story. She gave a fantastic interview. And that sounds like it's exactly smack what you're talking about. Yeah, it, that's a great story. You have to be confident. I have a friend who works at Intel, and Intel has an internal job board, you know, and he said, and he's a manager there, and he said that you put your name on that list, what does it tell? It tells everyone in your area, in your department, that you don't want to work there anymore. Mm-hmm. But he was so fed up with his department and, and the people that were around it, he didn't care. And what's funny is, you know, the second he puts his name up on there, of course, everyone's running to him saying, what have you done? What have you done? Well, he gets hired in another department. He makes twice as much money and works less hours now. <laughs> because, because he believed in what he was doing and he believed in himself and he just got fed up. You know, and there's something to be said for just getting fed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know if that that's that's not it's not the same thing of what we've been talking about, but I, I definitely want to hear you talk about I you've been saying that you speak and I know you train on eliminating negativity in the workplace. And I'm fascinated by that. I'd like to know what is it you mean by eliminating negativity? And I I'd, I'd like to also know how in the world did you get started in something like that? Um, I, I got started in it because I just from my work experiences and I've just seen, you know, that we spend so much of our time at work. And work days have gotten even longer now. 
with texts and emails, and people forget that in cell phones. And so our day gets extended. I think it's funny people who work from home or, or people who have never worked from home. <laughs> they think that people work from home don't work. That's what they think. Yeah, that is what they think. <laughs> but that isn't, and you can back me up on this. They work even longer hours, and they never get away from work. It's kind of like being, you know, a stay-at-home mom. You, your work day is never over, and that's when you work from home. And, and I've I learned, that, you know, I had a lot of social problems early in my career because I, I, I was a very negative person, and, and I kind of was, I was cancerous in a lot of the jobs I had. I got fired from a lot of jobs because of my attitude, and, and I finally, I just had to work on it. So I, I, learned, um, I learned some tricks, and I, I learned what to do, and, and now I teach other people that. Okay, again, Todd, it's really hard for me to imagine or believe that you were a negative person. I just can't see that in you. It just doesn't, I can't, it's not, it's not present today and it's hard to imagine. So I, I guess it does make sense that if you're somebody that did live in that space, that you're now teaching people how to get out of that space. But that's all, that's the only sh- person I know how to show if someone's done it, right? I guess, you know, I mean, I'm just fascinated by this. Um can you say a little bit about how it was that you learned to get your head around not being negative? For me, it was just rejection and just tough times. You know, I, I, I got beat up so much. You know, as a younger man, I thought that I was tougher and, and, I, could, and I could just win every battle. And I kind of, I, I never went for win-win. I kind of just wanted what I could get out of things. And now I realize to be on a team, um, I have to, you know, not, I always thought the leader was the most important person. Making the most money was the important person. Now, now I realize that just contributing to the team and doing your part is the most important. And, and by doing that, you win and you end, everyone ends up making more money. You end up being successful and you end up having something that's going to last. And that's all we want. We want some security in, in our employment. Yeah. Yeah, and I know, so it's interesting for me because of the the research that I've done around investigating meaning in work. I mean, people find meaning differently, right? They And we are meaning makers as human beings. And so what, what I find fascinating is what is meaningful to one person may not be at all meaningful to somebody else, right? Maybe for one person having a strong impact to the team is really important. Somebody else, it's, I want to set a new strategic direction for the company. That would be meaningful, right? So I, I'm endlessly fascinated with what it is that people say is a worthwhile contribution. And I think it's important that everyone believes that what we're doing is important, you know, and I am not at all against uh, letting people go or people quitting their jobs. And being fired is not the worst thing for anybody. I, I have... Everyone who thinks at the end of the day has this genius for these people. Everyone I know who's been fired has gotten angry, has went out and got a better job. Mm-hmm. It's better for them. And if, if you don't believe in what you're doing, go do something that you believe in. Go a place where you you want to be part of that cause. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been. I know I've been fired twice, and I'm not going. I'm not going to waste the time to tell the stories because I want to make sure in the last bit that we <laughs> we hear from you. But both times worked out well for me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so, that. so that backs up what I'm saying. Well, it, it doesn't does. feel like it at first, right? <laughs> it did actually feel like it, even at the time. So I was like, "Oh, hot. well, actually, no." The second time, it didn't feel that way. But um, <laughs> so, just maybe in one minute or so, can you give us like a couple of things? What can companies do to try to help eliminate negativity in the workplace? What you're teaching them, what can they do? It has to start from the top, and the first thing is to be totally honest. You know, without honesty, nothing works. You have to identify areas you need to work on. 
And there's areas of the, of the garden that are going to be weeds, and you have to, you know, you might want to make sure you put people in the right positions, um, but being honest about what we can get better at. And, you know, outrunning your weaknesses, I think if there's things that you're really good at, put a lot more time in those, too, because there's something mm-hmm. to be said for that. You know, if we want to have a perfectly balanced company, it's not going to happen. Companies are big, dysfunctional families. Mm. They are. Yeah. That is so true. I think, though, you bring up a great point. I mean, if at the very top the person says, look, you know, I'm not infallible. I have warts. I'm going to make mistakes. And so are all of you. Um, and, but we want to focus on how to really drive this organization to go forward. I would I would think that would go a long way. One thing that drives me crazy, and i got to share this with your listeners, is, you know, we go out as companies and we hire people with certain, certain um, education, with only specific job skills. They have job time in this, in this career. And the second they come to our company, what do we tell them? I don't want to hear anything about where you used to work. We do it like it is here. Now, does that make any sense? No. <laughs> we should at least, if not for the things they do well over there, we should at least find out what mistakes they made at their other job. <laughs> Otherwise, why would we waste our time hiring people that have industry-specific experience? Mm, I am so with you. Well, we've managed to almost perfectly waste a, a perfectly good animal or good good hour on the on the radio. I want to give you just if you will say one minute, Todd. Final thoughts you want to leave with with our listeners. Um, work with urgency. Um, every know every you know every year it seems like doesn't life goes by a little bit faster. Um, so take action now. It's never going to be easier than it is right now. And dream big, and have a great rest of the year. Wow. Sounds good to me. Sign me up. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Todd. I'm so glad that I found you on Twitter, that you said yes, you'd be on the show. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your, your background in such a real way, your wisdom. It's been amazing to have you with us. Well, thank you so much. Have me back on your show, okay? Okay. Um, for the rest of you out there, if you want to learn more about Todd Laments, visit his website. It's toddlaments.com, T-O-D-D-L-E-M-E. NSE.com. Um, slightly inspiring conversation we've had about his life and what he's learned along the way about losing our egos. Join us next week when we'll be on the air with Dr. Sam Alibrando about his work over three decades that culminated into a book about the three dimensions of emotions and how we can find the balance of power, heart, and mindfulness in all of our relationships at home and to make us more effective leaders at work. See you next week. And remember that work is one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. Hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.